What do you call a group of larks? My God, Jeffrey. An ascension. And you know what? The Montreal <laughs> Alouettes are ascending right now. Ugh. Well, and just like that, we are already through halfway of the 2019 season. You know what that means. It's Labor Day weekend. Mark's Labor Day weekend is here. It's rivalry week in the CFL, and we've got three of the league's biggest rivalries on tap in week number 12. We welcome you to the week 12 edition of the CFL Fantasy Podcast presented by Leo Vegas. Check out cflfantasy.tsn.ca where you can set your lineups for week 12. Just three games this week. You're playing for at the end of the year a really unique Grey Cup package, a unique one-of-a-kind championship ring, plus a trip to Calgary and tickets to the game a little bit later on this season. We're touching on Touchdown Atlantic this, uh, this week as Young quarterbacks Adams, Fajardo keep getting it done at under center. Chris Streveler had a very interesting debut this year as a starter. And of course, Mark's Labor Day weekend has arrived. My name is Pat Steinberg here in Calgary in Toronto. We've got Hannah Nordman and Jeff Creever. Pat, are you wearing your turnover chain? I got mine on. <laughs> I, uh, I don't typically wear bling. It's not, doesn't really suit my oh, facial features. Oh, come on. <laughs> you could pull it off. I don't, I don't believe that. Boycott average. Love it. Love the swag. It, it feels like a different way of saying Swaggerville. It yeah. It feels like a, like, a, like a today 2019 Swaggerville. I was going to say it's more in your face, but I don't know if anything's more in your face than how obnoxious Swaggerville was. Yeah. So, oh, that was no. legendary. That's never, <laughs> that's never, there's nothing ever going to be more in your face than Swaggerville. No. But, but this I can get on board with. And I, I love the turnover chain. Uh, to me, I see this, and it's the Saskatchewan Rough Riders having fun again, you know? And everybody thought that maybe they had lost a little bit of that swagger when Chris Jones left. These were the big, bad riders. This was the Chris Jones empire, the big new stadium, all these athletic DBs, a blitzing, aggressive defense. They were the bad guys of the CFL. And, and coming into this year, you kind of went, well, I, I don't know if they've got that anymore. Chris Jones, Chris Jones was one of those coaches, a GM, where – Front office guy, he could be the identity of the team. That usually doesn't happen for non-players uh, in, in football, especially in the CFL. And it feels to me like they're getting a little bit of that back. I mean, yes, it was the Ottawa Red Blacks. Everybody loves to talk about the level of competition for this team. But to me, this is a Saskatchewan Rough Riders team that's scary uh, and has a lot of weapons on both sides of the ball. I give them zero points for originality because it's... They didn't come up with this. It's not a new idea. It's not a new idea, but uh, man, was it effective. But you got to have confidence to bring that in. You sure you do, have... especially when it's gaudy like it is, you know? Like it's bedazzled, there's watermelon on it, but that's kind of the point, <laughs> right? Yeah. The over point the is that it's over the top and hideous. And man, they got to wear it with pride four times that game. It sure did work. People wanted to wear that chain. They did so in the first three drives that Ottawa had. It was crazy. Hey, I, I dig it. This, uh, this Riders team has been one of the more pleasant surprises of the 2019 season. Defensively, you're right. Like We didn't know what was going to happen with Craig Dickinson taking over and Chris Jones leaving. We didn't know what was going to happen and if this defense was going to be the same. They lose Willie Jefferson and we saw how big of an, an impact Jefferson made uh, in, in that game against Edmonton over the weekend. So, yeah. I mean, they, they go out. They, they make a couple of big additions. Micah Johnson, I think, has been 
been huge for them. I just I I really like this Riders team and the way they're playing. I like the way that they've got a little bit of an attitude and an identity defensively. And and as we're going to talk about a little bit later, you know, this offense is far and away better than we thought it was going to be. But I like the chain. I like uh, I like a little bit of swagger. And this Riders group is rolling right now with sole possession of number two in the West Division. If the playoffs were to start today, they'd be hosting the West Division semi. All right, we'll talk a little bit more about the Riders in a bit, have more questions on them, especially a matchup against the Andrew Harris-less, Andrew Harris-less Winnipeg Blue Bombers for for the next two weeks, the Labor Day Classic, the Banjo Bowl. Um, We'll have our takes on that. Uh, But first, I'll turn it over to Pat with a little bit of a look back on what was really an interesting uh, and unexpected Week 11 in the CFL. Yeah, four games in Week 11, and Devaris Daniels is really starting to come into his own as a member of the Edmonton Eskimos. Slow start to the season, injuries played into that, but he went off for 10 catches and 200-plus in that really tight loss of the Bombers. Eskimos' offense had a nice night fantasy-wise, despite coming up on the wrong end of the results category. Chris Dreveler, 19 points despite completing just seven passes. He was uh, not your typical quarterback in that win for the Bombers, but he got the job done if you started him in fantasy the uh, best was saved for last in week 11 though touchdown Atlantic in Moncton Jeff you were there the game was a hit for a ton of reasons including some big time fantasy performances McLeod Bethel Thompson and Rodney Smith were the second and third ranked players this year while Vernon Adams Jr. Quan Bray and Eugene Lewis of the Owls were all top scorers Cody Fajardo William Powell hit the 20 mark for the Riders in their win in the same game Red Blacks running back John Crockett went down and Dominique Davis at quarterback was pulled and finally not a single BC Lion or Hamilton Tiger Cat made the top 15 as those two teams combined for just 23 points Deron Carter, Chris Matthews, Ricky Collins, William Stanback, Dane Evans, Greg Ellingson, Lamar Durant all really handcuffed fantasy owners in week 11. All those guys finished at 5 points, 5.1 points if we're being accurate or lower. They say the season starts Labor Day. Mm-hmm. Cliche, I know. Don't throw things at me. I'm just saying what everybody says. We hear it every year. I've heard it enough myself. But the new season in fantasy also starts because this is where it counts. We got a close race at the top. Paxton K and Western Willie. Paxton K remains on top, but only four points separating those top two in TSN CFL fantasy this season. Meanwhile, it was Ponto. Ponto? Ponto. It's definitely Ponto. Coming up with the best score in Week 11, he had 138 points thanks to contributions from Cody Fajardo and Rodney Smith. Hmm, my uh, my lock of the week, as well as my money pick. Must be listening to the podcast, uh-huh. along with the high score of the week and Devaris Daniels. It's a good score, 138. It wasn't wasn't a very high scoring week, especially when 138 is your top score. But uh, yeah, for, for some of the low scores, 138 is pretty good. Yeah. Um, among the three of us, Pat Steinberg uh, is number one. Uh, Hannah Norbin moving closer. She had the best week among the three of us with 93 points, just five points back now of Pat. And I'm coming up in the rear, but I'm not that far off. A 90-point week for me, and uh, well, we're, we're getting cozy there at the top. It's Honestly, get, yeah, you could close. be you could be first in one week. It, it's not that hard to make up a 30-point difference. We have an office pool. I feel like I'm in fifth right now, mm-hmm. but I could be in first next week in that as well. It's that close. It's... It really is a close race, and, uh, well, we've, we've still got, for the most part, ha- half of a season remaining. So keep setting those lineups. Keep putting in the work. Check those depth charts. Don't give up now because 
If you're if you're behind, you've got a chance to really play catch up here, and uh, and the second half is a great chance to close the gap. I, I'm going to make my move. I'm telling you that. I'm coming <laughs> for you guys. So I hope I hope there will be some sleepless nights for Pat and Hannah as I as I make my move. And and this is where the push starts. Labor Day weekend. Mark's Labor Day weekend. This is the rivalry. No fantasy flash this week. We're recording early. There's no football until Sunday, so we got a lot of time to think about those lineups. We're early and the league is late. So only yeah, the league's late. Come on, league. Show up. <laughs> they need a break after Moncton, don't you? I could use a break. I'm jet lagged from that one hour time difference. So long trip. Tough trip, you know. Um, so let's move along. We we've got riders, we got bombers. That's the first of three really big rivalries in the league. And one of the most intriguing this week because so many storylines there. Let's start with Chris Strebler. How do you guys evaluate him after his first start in 2019? Seven completions, but he, he got the win. So uh, almost 100 rushing yards. It's kind of hard to fault him, isn't it? It was an interesting game. I, uh, I, watched, I watched that game start to finish, and I thought it was, it was entertaining. It was tight. Uh, I just... I don't know what to make of Chris Streffler. I don't know what he is as a pure passing quarterback. And I feel like I feel like a couple of games where you run him almost as much or more than you use him as a traditional passer, you might be able to have some success. But I only think that that lasts so long. And I think teams start to catch on and it becomes a little bit easier to defend him. And especially with Andrew Harris not playing in these two crucial games against the Riders. Like, this is for first place in the West Division. And the MOP candidate, or the leading MOP candidate, isn't in either game. So... Now, without Harris, who that Bombers offense runs through, and you've got a guy who only completed seven passes against the Eskimos, I, I'm, I'm a little skeptical. And, and I think that they're going to need to open up the playbook a little bit more for Streveler and let him be a little bit more adventurous in the pocket. So I'm, I'm fa- fascinated to see what happens in these two games against the Riders because I certainly he had a fine week for fantasy and I actually don't think he's a bad fantasy option but the actual what he is as a quarterback my jury is still very much out yeah he kind of seems like the opposite of Matt Nichols in that I think he's a better fantasy quarterback than he is an actual quarterback I think those totals are going to be better I'm nervous about him staying healthy with him running as much as he is Um, You spelled out how the Bombers were going to win last week, and they did exactly that. Offense runs through through Harris. uh, Offense runs through the ground in general and off the back of solid defense. And with Streveler showing that his arm isn't there yet, and without Andrew Harris, I'm very concerned about the Bombers on the field and in fantasy in general. Well, that's the thing. Last week, we had the whole Chris Streveler discussion. And we said Andrew Harris's name a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, over and over and over again, because Andrew Harris was going to be such a big part of that. Now he's not there. Now it's probably Johnny Augustine who's the running back. I like Johnny Augustine. I remember seeing him at the Combine uh, a few years ago. I believe it was during CFL week in Regina. And a lot of people thought he could be a second or third round draft pick. Highly touted running back coming out of school. Had all the measurables. Looked great on the field in drills. One of those running backs that everybody passed over. Nobody okay, took but him. He's had nine carries this year. 
Like, what what do we really know about? There was a there was a butt coming. I didn't get there yet. Okay. But there was a butt coming. Yeah. I mean, it's with with Johnny Augustine. I'm really intrigued by him, though. To just to say just to say to start, and we'll we'll talk about this more, but. I think he could be a good running back. Hey, he beat out Keenan LaFrance, and they seem to want Keenan LaFrance to be the guy behind Andrew Harris. So that's something. Um, but obviously, there's a huge drop out there. And you're talking about the most involved non quarterback in the CFL, and it's not even close in Andrew Harris. Mm-hmm. No offensive player has had a bigger impact on any team uh, this season than Andrew Harris. And I don't even know who you put second. I don't know the numbers, I don't have them. It's Andrew Harris by a mile. Yeah. Yeah. So how does this change the game plan for Chris Strebler? Does this make it a lot more difficult for Strebler to be effective? I don't know if you can play him the same way you did against the Eskimos because if you don't have the most dynamic weapon in the CFL this season in your backfield, you don't have Andrew Harris as your as your main weapon offensively. I don't think that you can use Chris Streveler. Like, they, they use Streveler the same way they, the, the University of Florida used Tim Tebow. Like, it, I don't think you can do that if you don't have a player like Andrew Harris in the backfield. So they're going to have to use him in a more traditional manner. He's going to have to drop back and pass it. He's going to have to complete more than seven passes, and he's going to have to limit mistakes. And I know that we talked about, uh, I know we talked last week about some of the turnovers that he's had at different times I'm I I am fascinated to see what he is I'm skeptical but I'm I'm still going to be watching because I do think I do think the raw talent and the raw ability is there he's just got a really tough test in one of the hottest teams in the league and and doesn't have his most important player alongside him between his performance and Saskatchewan's defensive performance I I'm scared that's I don't think I can do it, even though I still think he could put up uh, a moderately good fantasy total, even with a pick or two. You know, like he's going to get those yards on the ground. He's probably going to run in at least one touchdown. You're, you're talking about a quarterback that just completed seven passes in a football game. Yeah, but he had 19 points. Won the game. Yeah, he had 19 points. Exactly. I want to know. I I should have Steve Daniel on speed dial right now. He would know this. When's the last time a team completed seven passes and won a football game? Yeah. That is absurd to me. That is a fairy tale. Like, that's something you tell your kids one day. I mean, maybe not. Well. Maybe not, not a topic that comes up. I mean, maybe, maybe... When I have kids one day, that's maybe that's where my life is headed. I don't Your know. Your CFL folklore is going <laughs> that's to include gonna that. That's going to be CFL folklore. Sure. One day, Chris Traveler completed seven passes All right, and well, won the game. It sounds absurd. Like It sounds like you just woke up from a dream. What? That, that can't be real. It is absurd. Uh, Jeff, you were saying the, the Fajardo-Powell stack saved your lineup last week. Is that a stack that makes sense again this week against a Bombers defense? Yeah, and before you go on to touch, Touchdown Atlantic, I want to revisit a little more on the Riders first. That we, we didn't go over them thoroughly enough in the intro, but I, I think so. Because to me, the strategy is Cody Fajardo runs the ball a lot. William Powell runs the ball well. And when the Riders play with the lead, it's going to be Fajardo running. It's going to be Powell running. And you're going to get touchdowns from either one or the other. And you're talking about 20-point weeks for both. That was my plan. I was thinking going into the week, okay, Powell's really expensive. Not many people have him in the lineup. They're playing Ottawa. They're going to be playing with the lead. And the game script dictates that, hey, Fajardo and Powell, they're going to be running the ball, you know, two-thirds of the time. 
it worked out for me. Most of the time, that strategy dictates, okay, you think a team's going to win in a blowout? You're probably staying away from that quarterback because you're thinking, yeah, run heavy. They're going to abandon that pass. But with Fajardo, I think this is where a quarterback running back stack makes a lot of sense between those two. Does it not concern you that he's not only over $9,000, but he's only hit 20 points twice this year? It's not like he's consistent. I love Powell, but I haven't seen enough from him to say, yeah, he will get me 20 points next week, especially when the most fearful part of Winnipeg is their defense. I think the floor is high enough with Powell that you say, I'm not risking that much with him, even with that salary. And we've seen the ceiling. We saw the game against BC when the Riders led uh, from wire to wire, and Powell just went off and scored three rushing touchdowns. That's the game, That's the game. That's what I'm expecting to see more of from William Powell when the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are winning games. And this is a team that's playing well. Uh, you've got the Bombers a little bit shorthanded without Nichols, without Andrew Harris. You wonder how much that Bomber offense can stay on the field. If the Riders are controlling 60% of the clock, I'm liking having William Powell and Cody Fajardo in the backfield running the football. I'd be, uh, I'd be more into it this week than in other weeks. I thought about it last week, too, because I really liked the matchup against the Red Blacks. I mean, it's, it's not... It's certainly not my top play for Week 12, and it's, it's probably not something that I'm going to end up doing. But I'd be more comfortable putting Powell in against the Bombers in this matchup than I would be at any other time because I do think there is more of an opportunity for the game script to play into Saskatchewan's hands. So, you know, if you're usually not dressing running backs against the Bombers. I feel like they're going to be in a little bit of a tougher spot potentially this week because I don't know if they're going to be able to move the ball effectively to give that defense the proper rest and the proper chance that they need to continue to limit opposing run attacks to 55, 60, 65 yards a game. So is it my, am I, am I heavily thinking about it? Not so much, but if there was going to be a week that I put in somebody against the Bombers run D, it would probably be this week and next. Pat, Shaq Evans was your lock of the week last week. He had 12.3 points, kind of mediocre for him. He's been mostly boom or bust. Why do you think we're missing that consistency? Is it too many mouths to feed in Sask? For whatever reason, they just, and I have them in my lineup right now for week 12 too, but for whatever reason, uh, it's just not happening in the red zone for him. Like he's been a consistent target for the most part. He's had the one real down week, uh, but for for the most part, he's been a pretty consistent target for Fajardo. It's just four straight games without him getting into the end zone. So, you know, when a guy that's only got two touchdowns on the season, it does start to become a little bit more dangerous to put him in. So I have him in this week, but I'm really going back and forth between him and Kyron Moore and, and right now I I have a little bit of uh, I have a little bit of I don't know anxiety putting a Riders receiver into my lineup because Cody Fajardo takes a lot of those touchdown passes when they get inside the 10 you know they're they're either handing off to Powell and letting him pound it up the middle or or Fajardo's going to take off I think Fajardo's had one game all year where he hasn't scored a rushing touchdown so when you've got a guy that is going to take a big chunk of those red zone touchdowns himself and that's that's a little scary so yeah I uh I, I'm I've got Shaq Evans in right now, but he's definitely not locked in because I'm a little I'm starting to get a little bit more worried about playing Riders receivers. Cause you take a look at Kyron Moore, him and Shaq only have five touchdowns combined this year. It's not like we're talking about these guys uh, as as consistent red zone targets. Johnny Augustine. 
Just want to touch on him one more time. I think I got him in my lineup. I like the price tag. Uh, are you guys considering him this week? I like the price tag. That's pretty much the only thing I'm considering. First guy in my lineup this week, Brandon Burks. He was effective at a very low salary, and he still just cracked the $4,000 mark. So I have my savings there. I've got my savings running back. I don't feel the need to put him in when he is as untested as he is. And I, I really like the way that this uh, Riders offense is trending. Like, okay, we've talked all year about how you don't really run on the Bombers. Well, the next team that you don't really run on is the Riders. It's not that big a spread anymore between the yards per game between Winnipeg and Saskatchewan, and the Riders are trending in a really lockdown direction. So, yeah, I don't mind the price tag for Augustine. I just don't love the matchup. Like, even if Andrew Harris was healthy and I was keen playing, paying the five figures for him, I don't know if I like this matchup for Harris either. So uh, I'm, not, I'm not in love with Augustine. I'd, uh, I'd look at... Cam Marshall. Uh, I would look at uh, Brandon Burks. I'd look at both those guys, I think, before I would go down the road of Augustine. I like Augustine's game. Really think he's got the potential uh, to be a big time back in the CFL. Canadian running backs don't always get the opportunity. I think if you gave this kid a chance, I think he could be really good. I think he's going to open some eyes this week. And you know what? They're going to throw to him. He's, he's going to get a lot of those Andrew Harris touches, especially if they're playing from behind. He'll get some catches. And uh, I think Nick Dembski takes a good, good chunk of that Andrew Harris production as well. So um, Johnny Augustine and Nick Dembski are two guys I'm looking at uh, to step up with Andrew Harris being out for the next two weeks. I'm going to be honest. I don't have any bombers in my lineup on this important Labor Day Classic game. Um, I do have a lot of Rough Riders, though. Jeff, Which Hannah's, Hannah's going to be there. I'm going to Hannah's be at this game. Hannah's got a ticket. Well, you blew it because your next question, Touchdown Atlantic, which right. you were at. I was there. Your first time in Atlantic, Canada? I was there. My first time there. How was the it? hub. Moncton. It was fun. I liked it. I liked it. The, the, one of the highlights of the trip, we drove to PEI. And that's not to say bad about Moncton. I'm not like, it's not like the best part about Moncton was leaving. No, that's not what I'm saying. Um, really enjoyed my time in Moncton, and the people there are amazing. They're just, it's a totally different vibe on the East Coast. Different than Toronto, tell you that much. And we drove to get lobster. Well, I don't eat lobster, but anyway, I don't do the whole seafood thing. But um, we drove to go to this lobster restaurant, and uh, it ended up being closed. It was an hour and a half drive, so that was like... Anyway, it was quality bonding time. PEI was beautiful. Going over the bridge uh, from Moncton, from uh, New Brunswick to PEI, um, just nothing but water. Um, great place. Where am I going with this story right now? Uh, what's your favorite road trip that you've ever done? Quickly. Unlike myself, because I didn't... It took me a little while to get there. Uh, whew, that's a good question. I, uh, I quite enjoy the drive. The drive to Seattle from, uh, from Calgary is pretty, uh, pretty, pretty breathtaking. The uh, drive to Vancouver from Calgary is pretty awesome, either you take the north or the south route. So I would say, uh, I would say number one would be uh, Calgary to Seattle. It's a, uh, it's a pretty varied and uh, quite, uh, it's a pretty scenic road trip. It takes about 12 hours if you do a straight shot, which I usually do. So I, I would put Calgary to Seattle as my number one. I'm going to cheat and say it's the road trip that I'm about to do this week. I'm road tripping all the way to the Labor Day Classic, and then I'm going to keep on going. A nice 3,500-kilometer trip and uh, land all the way in Calgary. It's quite the haul. Pat, have you ever gone Calgary to Toronto by car? 
I have gone Calgary to uh, Owen Sound, Ontario by car. So never quite to Toronto, but uh, made it to southern Ontario by car. It's, uh, it's a long haul, and it's longer when you're hauling your life across the country. So uh, that'll be... It's not, it's not quite as scenic through, uh, through Manitoba and Saskatchewan. You may, uh, you may, need, to, you may need to take a couple of uh, pick-me-up pills on the way. Speak for yourself... I miss the wheat fields. I miss the prairie skies. I haven't seen them in five years. I am excited for the boring part of that drive. If you haven't picked up on it, I'm moving to Calgary this week. She's not leaving the show, though, so I'm don't worry, I'm not leaving the folks. show. I'm Hannah's just still here with us. Just switching provinces, but I am stopping at that Winnipeg, Saskatchewan Labor Day Classic on the way. I've built an extra day into my trip to go to that game because it's been a bucket list item pretty much my entire life. Betraying me, going to work with Pat. I'm sorry. Let's see how it is. I see how it I'm is. Sorry. See how it is. I'll sit here in solitary confinement. I follow the money. What can I say? <laughs> money! <laughs> Show me the money! Let's talk about Touchdown Atlantic, the game itself, not my road trip escapades. By the way, sitting in the back seat, the way I entertained myself for that hour and a half. With my good friend Robbie, social media guy for the CFL, we were looking up groups of animal names. Funny thing about the English language, there are so many different animals. Everyone is not just called a group or a herd or whatever. There's a different name for every group. Hannah, you're not cutting this out. <laughs> I might be. Robbie's favorite one was a group of owls. is called a parliament. Yes. A parliament of owls. You knew that? Yeah. That's ridiculous. People shouldn't know that. A group of ravens is called an unkindness. I didn't know that one. My favorite one was the butterflies. They're called a kaleidoscope. Makes sense. Very colorful. Touchdown Atlantic. Great day. Tailgate was awesome. Fans were great. Packed crowd. The game was outstanding. Game of the week. What did you guys think of the Argos and Alouettes? They put on a show. I liked, I liked the visuals. I thought it looked great on TV. And I like the Alouettes. This team, this team I, I, I put it on the Monday morning quarterback this week. And this is the biggest surprise of the year. There's no doubt about it. I was skeptical of all the this is the year for Montreal talk going in. Uh, I was skeptical when they started 0-2. Uh, I was skeptical when they fired their head coach days before the start of the regular season. But this is, a, this is a good team. And, you know, even without a healthy or, or a 100% William Stanback, they went with Johnson and Stanback, and uh, they still were able to have a pretty effective, effective rushing attack. They've got a really varied passing attack where on any given week you could have Quan Bray or Eugene Lewis or Devere Posey go off. Like, I, I really like this team. And, and the one thing that we talked about earlier in the year was this team defensively, they're starting to trend in the right direction. They have got a speedy ball-hawking back field uh they've got one of the ageless veterans up front and john bowman who's still dominant and still making an impact i like this team i really do and i don't think like right now montreal would be hosting calgary in the east division semifinal, and i i don't know if i if i like that for calgary i know that in prior years that's probably a matchup everybody would say well calgary wins but right now, this is a good montreal team so that was my biggest takeaway yeah they were playing one of the worst teams in the league but this, this Montreal team's legit, and I'm really excited to see uh, how they go as they continue to progress. I was, uh, I was pretty nervous on a fantasy wavelength the first half of the game because 
I had four or five Alouettes in my lineup, and they did a whole lot of nothing pretty much the entire first half, and I was ready to come on the podcast and explain why I only got 40 points this week. Uh, So I was very happy to see Montreal turn it around. I liked what I saw from Toronto offensively, especially early in the game. Things got a little bit sloppy near the end. Props to McBeth, who keeps on putting up fantasy totals. He's not getting in that W column very often. But, man, the guy gets points. He gets yards. What do you call a group of larks? My God, Jeffrey. An ascension. And you know what? The Montreal Alouettes <laughs> are ascending right now. <sighs> it is too perfect. It is poetic. It is beautiful. And this is a beautiful team right now. Even without William Stanback at 100%. So I don't know if anyone got burned on William Stanback this week. Yep. Turning into the lineup and being the number one running back. They played Jeremiah Johnson most of the game. They sure did. They didn't have a good first half. Not many players on that team did anything, including Vernon Adams Jr. Part of the issue was the Argos offense was able to stay on the field for much of that first half. But any time there's any reason to doubt Vernon Adams Jr., he gets it done. That guy is a baller. He might not be the most accurate quarterback in the CFL. There's not one thing that he does phenomenal, phenomenally. There's not one thing he does way better than anybody else. But when the game's on the line, he gets it done. That was fun to watch. McLeod Bethel-Thompson, the guy on the other side, Hannah, you talked about it. He had a great game. He continues to complete a lot of passes. He's making a strong case that he should be a starting quarterback in this league, that he's not just there to keep the seat warm for the next guy, whether that's Michael O'Connor or James Franklin or Zach Caleros, whoever it may be. He's completed roughly 30 passes per game his last three. Now we have him, we have that chemistry between Cloud Bethel Thompson and Rodney Smith, which I got a funny story about that in a second. I don't want to go on another rant, but I'll, I'll give it to you. But does Diargo's offense give you any reason for optimism? Because that unit is, is operating at pretty high efficiency lately against good teams. You're talking Winnipeg, you're talking Edmonton, and now you're talking the Montreal Alouettes. Those are three good opponents. They've looked good. They have looked good. Uh, Burks looked good. Uh, running back, five different receivers hit double digits. Um, McLeod looks dialed in. There's a lot to like there. And I think there's a lot of under-the-radar picks fantasy-wise. I think that you can get a lot of points out of this team, whether they win or lose. And, you know, more often than not, they're coming up with the L. But... I don't think you can go wrong putting a bunch of these guys in your lineup. Not every week, but if you like the matchup, if you think it's going to be at least close, a bit of a horse race, yeah, these guys are good, and and they're not all that expensive. I don't love the matchup. I don't love them on the road in Hamilton. I think that, without a doubt, McLeod Bethel-Thompson is one of the very few bright spots of this season for him. Uh, and I really, he's an easy guy to cheer for knowing the road that he's taken and all the different spots he's had to play in to get to being uh, a regular starter professionally. But I don't love the matchup this week. I don't. I know there's dollar value in them. I just, it's, it's tough. It's tough for me still to put a lot of Argos in my lineup. And, you know, maybe, maybe this is the week that Hamilton has a little bit of a, uh, a rough week defensively. But I don't love the matchup this week. So I'm, I'm personally staying away from the Argos. 
I think if you go with McLeod and Rodney Smith, you're going with a low ownership situation, and they've got a chance to put up some really big numbers. And I'll tell you, I think Rodney Smith's the real deal. And I think McLeod Bethel-Thompson thinks so too. I was at the press conference, and it was one of those situations where a bunch of the Argos had finished speaking, S.J. Green, uh, Micah Awe, um, Alden Darby, a bunch of those guys, they were done. And it was McLeod Bethel-Thompson's turn. But the Alouettes had just gone on the field. This happens sometimes, you know, especially in neutral site game teams flying in at different times. And the entire media had left the room because the Owls were on the field. McLeod Bethel-Thompson comes into the room, and there's pretty much nobody sitting there. Except you. Except me. So I'm conducting a press conference on my own. And McLeod Bethel-Thompson, I mean, he's a starting quarterback. He, deserve, he deserves a bit of the attention. Well, we got to tell one of the questions was Rodney Smith. I, I brought it up, and that was the one that got him talking a lot. And his face lit up because those two played together on the Minnesota Vikings. He talked about playing on scout team and going against the Vikings' first team defense. And he said, he said, we lit him up. Minnesota Vikings, first team defense. McLeod Bethel Thompson and Rodney Smith lit him up. Well, they lit up the Alouettes over the weekend. And McLeod Bethel Thompson statistically had one of the best quarterback performances of anyone in the 2019 season. There is an undeniable chemistry there. They almost set up the game-winning touchdown for the Argos on the last play. That mm -hmm. second-last play of the game was unbelievable. Rodney Smith is becoming one of Cloud Bethel Thompson's favorite targets, and at just over $4,000, if he didn't get him last week, some people did, the, the top scorer had him, but there's still time to get in on this pick. He, is he could still be a bargain. Caught all 12 of his targets last week. So that's that little tidbit I got. McLeod Bethel Thompson loves Rodney Smith. Huge guy. Chris Matthews 2.0. We're talking about six foot five, 230 whatever. Big guy, dominant receiver. And I think this is real. I think this is going to continue. So to me, that's something to watch out for on Labor Day um, with a pairing that's not going to get a lot of love if you're trying to if you're trying to go for those low ownership percentages, the contrarian play as we call it. I think Macbeth and Rodney Smith, uh, Rod Smith, not to be confused with the TSN panelist, <laughs> uh, they're going to get it done this week. Yeah, props to Jeff. The second highest money pick total uh, of the season Who's so the far. the highest? The highest was yours, Lucky Whitehead, week week three. You've been really on the money picks this year. My money picks are good. Your All money right. picks are money. Let's All talk right. about the other side of the ball, Hamilton. Dane Evans seems like a good matchup against the Argos. The defense was pretty hot in the first half, but they still haven't put up a full game. So is it worth a roll of the dice with Dane Evans this week in their Labor Day matchup? He's in my lineup for week 12. I like the matchup a lot, um, and I, I don't think there's anywhere for him and the Ticats offense to go but up. That was a, a tough game to watch against the BC Lions over the weekend. It was a bit of a slop fest, and Dane Evans didn't look really all that impressive. And so I can understand if you saw that game saying, I don't really want to start him this week, but at under $5,500 uh, against a team that is suspect 
in the secondary suspect in terms of the pressure they get on the quarterback and just overall defensively there are some matchups that can be exploited if there's ever a time to take dane evans at fifty five hundred dollars this is the week so i've got him in my lineup i I've, I've seen some flashes i've seen some really nice things from him i also understand that it's been very up and down and inconsistent so it's a risk taking him there's no doubt about it but i i'm on him this week i think that the matchup's good and i think that the motivation is there after a real rough game against BC. Dane Evans, having him in your lineup certainly opens up a ton of options elsewhere because he's the cheapest starter you're going to get. The knock on him is he's not going to run the football much and they take him out in goal line situations. So I think the ceiling is capped. The floor this week is pretty good. Historically, the Ticats beat the Argos on Labor Day. That's just what happens. In fact, the only Argos win I can remember in recent memory was way back in, oh, I want to say 2012, the last one at Iverwind Stadium before they shut it down, and that took a crazy highlight reel Chad Owens catch. And you're going way back for that. The Ticats just have the Argos number on Labor Day. If you got Ticats in your lineup, I think it should be a pretty good week for you. Though, I, I thought they were going to look good in BC. But I'm with you, Pat. I think they'll bounce back against the Argos. And that Argos secondary, that's two tough weeks in a row. You can get a quarterback receiver stack right now for under $12,000 and Evans and Addison and... Braylon Addison's been a pretty consistent target this year. Uh, he's gone eight uh, eight receptions or more in his last four games. So if you if you have a good game from Evans and a good game from Addison and get them at under twelve thousand dollars, that's a pretty nice stack to look at. I know we were talking about Fajardo and Powell earlier. That's a little bit more expensive than what you're talking about here. So I like I like that option for again. Is it a risk? Absolutely, but I, I really like that option for this week. Yeah, definitely a risk. I'm not on the Dane Evans train, but I'm fully on the Braylon Addison train. Still only six thousand dollars. And he does seem to be one of the more consistent players. His ceiling hasn't proven to be super high other than that 37-point week in week two uh, up against Toronto when they just put up, what, 64 points on the Argos. Um, Don't expect that to happen again, but he's been mid to high teens for weeks now, and I think that's pretty good for a $6,000 salary. I think it's good, and I, I still think the best is yet to come. We're still waiting for that big breakout. And if we're talking about a breakout game from Dane Evans, this is it. At home, on Labor Day, against the Toronto Argonauts, this is the game where Dane Evans comes up with a big one. So, yeah, I'm okay with that pick. Cody Fajardo is my favorite quarterback this week. I'm okay with Dane Evans, too. Final game of the week, Monday uh, late afternoon. Monday, well, early afternoon in Calgary. Uh, Eskimos, Stampeders. Eskimos might have the three best receivers in the CFL, and I know we've talked about this before. It's They've crazy. Got a fantastic offense. It blows my mind. Those three, that three-headed monster. I don't even know what to do. How do you pick between them? This is the the issue. Which one is going to go off? Sometimes, usually two do. On rare occasions, all three do. How do you pick between, or do you not? Do you just go Trevor Harris and swallow that price tag? The problem is all three of them are... Eh, in and around $8,000. Ricky Collins is the cheapest at just under seventy five, but Tavares Daniels just under eight, and Greg Ellingson just over $85. It's tough because realistically you can really only get one in your lineup of the three and you're right it seems like two of them are pretty solid targets I still think that you're 
I still think that you're safe putting one of them in your lineup. And if you can find a way to get two in, then you're probably in line for a really decent week, especially if you're playing the matchups. So I, I still think it's, it's a little bit more... Um, it's a little bit more attractive than what we talked about this time last year with Calgary's offense and how how they spread that ball around and uh, just how many receivers got in on it. Because yeah, while there have been other receivers that have gotten in on the act, it's a, it's a pretty big spread between, especially since Daniels has come back between Ellingson Collins. Daniels and the rest of the group so I I still think you're safe getting those guys in there but there is a little bit of a risk factor and the other thing is and Jeff we talked about this Trevor Harris I I don't know where it came from but all of a sudden Trevor Harris fancies himself a running quarterback once in a while too and he's (laughs) taken a lot of the goal line the goal line carries this year so that's that's a really interesting thing to think about too because these guys will put up the yardage but you're not always going to get those red zone looks which can take away from the value a little bit. I think he was watching Chris Strevler last game, and he, he, he decided, hey, I can do this too, because one of his runs, it was in the second half, he channeled a little bit of that, that inner Chris Strevler, and <laughs> he took off, and, and he, he can run when he wants to. He has the wheels. He can go. And Jason Moss, he'll use his starter in those goal line situations, so that's certainly something you like there. Look, when I, when I break down this Calgary-Edmonton Labor Day Classic, you look at five receivers that are all priced in that wide receiver one range. You're not getting two of these guys in your lineup. You have to pick one. Tavares Daniels, Ricky Collins, Greg Ellingson, Reggie Bagleton, Eric Rogers. You're picking one of those five guys. And those five guys, that, that market share, it's, it's going to be fragmented a little bit. It can be frustrating, though, because a, a week like last week, Tavares Daniels scooped up 30 points if you paid nine thousand dollars for greg ellingson and he gave you five measly points you're hitting your head against a wall there's some lower money pick level options on this team that can also pick up points tavon smith had 21.4 taya j has hit double digits a few times this year do you want to cut your losses and say hey these guys have a decent chance of, of having an effective game, and I don't have to blow my entire receiver salary on it. Is is that something that you should be looking at? Or, or are you really focusing on these top three guys only? I think they're good options, but I want one of those guys in my lineup, whether it's from one of them from Edmonton or one of them from Calgary. And last week I made the wrong pick. I went with Ricky Collins, and he got 3.9. That was the leading receiver in the CFL. Tavares Daniels, hottest receiver in the CFL right now. But it seems like you go with the hot hand, and then it's someone else in Edmonton. So I don't know. To me, it's a tough call choosing one of these three guys, and even the two guys in Calgary between Bagleton and Rogers. I don't know. I don't know. I think we could see a repeat of that Labor Day rematch last year where these teams went off for over 1,000 yards. But I want to have that wide receiver one with the biggest game. And I just I, I don't have a hunch right now. See, and I wonder if this isn't more of a... I mean, we don't. We have no idea what the status of Calgary's quarterback is going to be. We all assume that Bo Levi Mitchell, with the extra week off, and then the bye is going to be able to play in Labor Day, but that still hasn't been confirmed. Uh, I just, I wonder if this is. I know that this Eskimos offense has got the the potential to go off for three fifty four, four fifty yards through the air. I, just knowing that the quality of both of these defenses, and knowing that Calgary's had a week to prepare, their record coming off bye is pretty good uh, under John Huffnagel. 
and Dave Dickinson. I wonder if this is more of a defensive showdown. And, and you know, a good chunk of that Winnipeg-Edmonton game, even though it ended up being a little higher scoring than you thought, it was a bit of a defensive struggle for a good chunk of it. So I, I, I just I see two good defenses, and I see an afternoon game. I, I wonder if this is a little bit of a lower scoring game. I'm a little... I'm a little shy on on players from Edmonton, Calgary, especially in the past game, but we'll see. I, I, there, there's definitely big-time options there. There's no Why doubt. Why do you have to do this to us? Defensive struggle? Come on. That's not what everybody wants to hear. <laughs> they want to hear 100 points. It's Remember like last you, uh, year? It's like when you tell people to bet on the under in Vegas. That's the most boring thing of all time, <laughs> cheering for low-scoring games. I yeah. hear you. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're sitting there. Dreading every time somebody's going to score, betting on the under. That is, that is the worst thing in sports. That is the worst possible thing in sports. I've been there before. Well, disclaimer, it is Monday today. They don't play until next Monday. So all we can kind of do is speculate around this quarterback situation right now. And this is, this is a hypothetical. If Nick Arbuckle gets the start, do you consider him? He's... Still pretty cheap, $7,200. He's finally started getting some reasonable fantasy totals, 24 and 31 points his last two weeks. Before that, he had trouble breaking the 15-point mark. Pat, if you think this is a defensive battle, you're not going anywhere near that, right? I, I like the running backs in this game. I think I think Gable and Jackson are both really interesting because I think this game has, has the chance to be that type of, you know, grinded-out type football game between these two rivals. I don't know if I'm, you know, Edmonton's one of the best passing defenses in the CFL and, and give Nick Arbuckle a lot of credit, especially from a fantasy standpoint. He's been much better of late, as you said. But I don't, know if I, I don't know if I'm loving Nick Arbuckle as a play. And if Bo plays, I don't know if I'm loving Bo Levi as a play. And I'm not even is keen on Trevor Harris, and we all know how uh, we all know how expensive he is to get into your lineup at over twelve thousand dollars. So this is an interesting matchup to me. I I, I don't have I, I don't have the feel that this is going to be like that Labor Day rematch from last year, where you know, Romar Morris had four touchdowns or whatever it was, and Riley and Bo both went over four hundred yards passing. That was a bonkers football game. Uh, I, I don't know, like I don't get the feel that's what we're looking at this week, but uh, certainly, yeah. Uh, do, do you enjoy getting? ready for defensive battles and are those the ones that pique your interest probably not it just that's kind of my feel going into this one on Labor Day by the way the last time these teams met clearly favored Edmonton 401 net yards for the Eskimos 220 for the Calgary Stampeders which was this season uh, really big outing for Trevor Harris in that game with 373 yards two touchdowns um, and Nick Arbuckle, just 189 yards. So, uh, Romar Morris, nine carries, 14 yards, stamps, unable to run in that game. So, yeah, if that first game is any indication, uh, you may want to lean a little bit towards the Eskimos in that game. Jeff, you don't like how teams have played against the Eskimos, meaning you would not be taking any Calgary players against them right now. Is that kind of how you're feeling? Are you not taking players playing up against this Esks defense? Well, Pat tells me every week, I don't know about the Eskimos' defense as a fantasy defense because they're not getting the turnovers. They're not putting up big numbers. But the real impact has been for Eskimos' opponents because teams that play the Edmonton Eskimos don't seem to be getting a lot from their top scorers. And that was certainly the case last week for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who did not do anything from a fantasy perspective uh, save for a late touchdown from Chris Strevler, a late rushing touchdown, which without that, Strevler would have had a bad game too. 
So that Eskimos defense has made life miserable for opponents. A lot of it has to do with that pass rush. Uh, their secondary has been really good this year. Even the linebackers look great. They got the new kid um, who's, who's basically made it difficult for Javon Santos. Knox to get into the lineup. Uh, Avante Diggs is his name. It, it just came to me. Um, that defense... I don't know. It, it makes it tough for me to go with any Stampeders this week. Are you in, are you guys in the same boat? I think, I mean, I I still, I know they're coming off a tough loss to Winnipeg. It was almost a carbon copy of the first game against the Bombers. I think very easily Edmonton could be 2-0 and against Winnipeg this year, but they haven't been able to get the job done in the red zone until, what, late in the second matchup this year. So I, I still think Edmonton has the makings of the most complete team in the CFL, and I know that sounds weird for a team that sits third in the West and fourth by overall record, but I just I, this, this defense and what this offense is capable of scares me on a week-to-week basis, and specifically defense they don't have a lot of weak spots. They are extremely difficult to pass against. They've got a shutdown. Uh, they've got a really solid shutdown backfield. They're extremely difficult to defend on the defensive front. And then we all know what Trevor Harris and that group of receivers that we already talked about and even what C.J. Gable, Gable's capable of. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not – like Edmonton's one of those teams that I shy away playing players against. Uh, I, am, I am definitely in that boat, and that's why there's not a ton of Stampeders in my lineup. Even if the Stamps win the football game, I don't know if it's going to be by huge fantasy stand uh, by a huge fantasy standpoint i've got one stampeder in my lineup right now and pat you mentioned him already it's don jackson i i like what he does when he plays the whole game we haven't seen a lot of it can you just give us some quick thoughts on what you think the stamps ground game is going to look like in the second half of the season because this i think has just been mostly impacted by injuries and rotating through their entire cast of guys yeah, they've had a rotating door of running backs all year long. You know, whether it's been Terry Williams getting carries or Kadeem Garrett Carey coming in and getting hurt and Romar Morris coming back and tearing his Achilles again two weeks in. I think the fact that Don Jackson was able to touch the ball almost 20 times uh, against the Alouettes a couple of weeks ago was a really, really solid sign. And I think that he has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder as much as he's a team guy. The fact that he had to sit there and watch for a little while, uh, I think, didn't sit very well with him. And now that he's got the top of the depth chart back, I, I think he's a motivated running back. I really like Don Jackson as a play each and every week right now because I think the Stampeders, when they didn't have him, their run game was extremely inconsistent. When he's there, not only is he huge for them in what they do in the blocking game, and he helps what whoever the quarterback is, he helps in the, in the passing side of things, but they're just more comfortable in giving him the ball. And like that, we're talking about a guy who has a, a pretty solid yards per carry average through his career two years in the CFL, and I think he's going to get a lot of touches against Edmonton because I really feel it's going to be a game where Stamps are a little shy to pass pass it a lot so I think Don Jackson's a really good play and still relatively cheap what he's sitting under $6,500 right now at 63 I think he's a really good option this week he is one of the cheaper running back options this week they are the top end is getting very expensive with Burks Augustine and now Don Jackson among the lower ranked guys what do you call a group of horses a team and the Stampeders are in fact a team How many more of these do you have, Jeff? I got a long list. Uh, I, I, won't, I won't bore you with any more. What do you call a group of boars? I actually don't have that one pulled up. That one I don't remember. 
I was about to be furious. Three-minute warning. Three-minute warning now, or is it? It is the warning. Means, Jeff, you need to start talking quickly and stop talking about animal groupings. We're going to make our money picks our locks of the week, and we're going to start with the money pick. This is a guy who costs $3,500 or less, who you should think about taking if you have a bit of a cap crunch. Pat, who's your money pick this week? I am going to go with a member of the Eskimos. We just talked about that game, and we, we talked about the big three receivers. I'll go with one of the non-big three receivers, but you can get some good value there. Uh, Tavon Smith had a really solid game last week and, and was definitely targeted a little bit more by Trevor Harris. I, I still think that at $3,300, if you've got a cap crunch, even if he has, goes three for 31, you're getting six points out of a $3,300 player, which I think that you can uh, reconcile in your mind if you need to get somebody in there. Those, if, if you've got big-name players elsewhere, that 6.1 points could be the difference between 99 and 105 points. So I got Tavon Smith at 3300 from the Eskimos. All right, I'm with you on that one, Pat. And it's funny because Natea J is actually the exact same price as Tavon Smith, $3,311. Isn't that weird? Exactly. That's, yeah. that's bizarre. Um, but similar roles. And Natea J has been part of the Eskimos offense this season, 373 receiving yards, uh, just one touchdown, so you could say he's due. Um, but you're talking about he's getting his two or three receptions uh, per week, and he seems to have some chemistry with Trevor Harris. If you're expecting volume in this game, if you think the Eskimos are going to have the football a lot, Natea J, much like Tavon Smith, should be in line for some catches. So I think he's a low-cost gamble that's worth taking in what I expect to be a pretty high-scoring Labor Day game. These games are crazy. Um, you never know what's going to happen. Strange things tend to go down. And, you know, Pat's saying low-scoring game. I, I think there are going to be some points in this game. All right. Well, I can't agree with both of you, so I'm going to go with Jalen Acklin on Hamilton. <coughs> you may remember him from his massive 26-point week four that kind of came out of nowhere, 120 yards and one touchdown. And he's been kind of silent until Dane Evans stepped in, and he's really been using him more. He's hit double digits the past two weeks. He's still just barely under $3,000. I think Jalen Acklin gets uh, a good amount of play this week with Dane Evans. Uh, let's move on to our locks of the week. These players will be in our lineup, even though we're locking them in six days before the first game. Jeff, who are you locking in on this uh, lovely Monday? I got Tavares Daniels, and he's the hot hand, and we talked about who to go with out of the Eskimos receivers. He's the guy that kind of stands out to me right now because that chemistry he's got with Trevor Harris. Harris talked about him before the season as a guy that could go off for 1,500 yards, and he's going to be a 1,000-yard receiver now. He's on that route, 207 yards last week, 155 the week before. Uh, he's had six or more targets in every single game he's played this season, including uh, at least eight in each of his last three games so Daniel's becoming a central part of that Eskimos offense I expect him to go off in that matchup with Trey Roberson which is going to be a fun one this week Battle of Alberta Daniel's playing his former team love it that's the matchup to watch yeah and Trevor Harris might have been right about him going off for 1,500 yards if Daniels didn't have the injuries and the slow start to the season. So he probably isn't going to be all that far off when it's all said and done. We talked about him earlier. I'm going with Dane Evans. He is the 
Cheapest starting quarterback out there in week number 12. Under $5,500. He's got the best matchup of the week. We've seen him have decent games. I do agree with Jeff from earlier that he probably has a ceiling. You're probably not going to get uh, a 30-point game out of Dane, Hev- Dane Evans, but if you can get good production out of the rest of your lineup and get 15 from Evans, I think you're laughing at under 5,500. I think he's going to have one of his better fantasy games of the year, if not his best, and I've got him locked in for Week 12. And I'm going to stick with Hamilton for both my picks. We talked about him before. Braylon Addison at, at $6,000. A uh, bit of a can't miss for me. He hasn't found the end zone in a while, but he's getting at least seven receptions in the last four games and actually in the majority of his games. Uh, so you're getting that PPR. You're getting all of his yards. He's putting up at least mid to high teens. I like Braylon Addison at $6,000. That'll do it for the week 12 edition of the CFL Fantasy Podcast. Enjoy Mark's Labor Day weekend and enjoy your three games, one on Sunday and, of course, the back-to-back on Monday, finishing at McMahon Stadium in Calgary. Lots of time between now when we're recording and the game, so make sure you head on over to CFL.ca, see everything from Daily Roto's lineup tools to our lineups. We put them out every single week. We give you our locks and and our money picks. And uh, check out The Waggle as well. The Waggle presented by Sport Clips. Donovan Bennett, Davis Sanchez. It's going to be a blast. This is rivalry week. This is, this is where you hate your opponent and you'll do anything to win. You'll stop at nothing. That's how I feel about Pat and Hannah. Mm-hmm. Don't like them. We're not <laughs> friends. We hate each other. Sworn enemies. That's actually why I'm leaving Toronto. Yeah, I had to get away from me. A year and a half is uh, about That's as enough. much as I could take. Yeah. Sorry, Jeff. Make sure you subscribe and listen to us every week. We're on Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, or you can listen to us right on CFL.ca. We're not always this mean to each other. It's, it's mostly the rivalry week thing. The CFL Fantasy Podcast, presented by Leo Vegas. We'll see who comes out on top on Rivalry Week 2019 on Twitter. Uh, Jeff's at Jeff Creever. Hannah is at HL Nordman, but she'll probably be a little less active on Twitter as she's driving east, uh, driving west rather, to Calgary. Uh, I'm at Fan960 Steinberg. Okay, Hannah drives safe. Jeff, uh, probably need to go rest your voice with all the talking this week, and we will talk to you next week on the Week 13 edition of the CFL Fantasy Podcast. Jeff, uh, study up on those animal facts. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoy Mark's Labor Day weekend.